This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about lotus root. <laughs> yes. And I was so excited about it, I put an exclamation point after our opening line, which I shouldn't have to write in here, but I still do because who knows what could happen if I don't. <laughs> well, it's, it's to, to be fair, you do a different opening line for Stuff Mom Never Told You, and you do record that more often, or uh, you, you say it more often than you say this one. <laughs> Your brain can get jumbled with those kinds of things for sure. We've talked about that before, Lauren, where the things you say like in every episode, like the outro for you or the intro for me, your brain can, if you think about it too hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Grinds to a halt. Yeah. No, I, I, y'all, and Annie can attest to this. Literally every time I do that outro, it is not written down and it hasn't changed in, (laughs) I don't know, two or 300 episodes now. Um, But for sure, uh, I have to close my eyes in order to concentrate hard enough to say it every time. <laughs> and we we get through it. You know, we have to have these little tricks, but we get through it every time. Yeah. Uh, with the help of our super producers, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Uh, but as we record this, Lunar New Year is coming up this Sunday, January 22nd, the beginning of it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes, and we thought Lotus Root would be a good topic. Yeah, yeah, because it is incorporated in um, a number of dishes from a number of culinary traditions uh, uh, into Lunar New Year celebrations. Yes, and I know I've talked about this before. Uh, I have very much enjoyed celebrating Lunar New Year in the past with a group of friends where we'd go to dim sum and do it. the pandemic kind of put a a stop to that for a while. So I I knew I had had lotus root 
but I don't think when I saw pictures of it, I was like, oh, that. I don't think that's what I was thinking of when I thought oh, of Lotus okay. Root. Oh, uh-huh. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I realized that what I had thought was a, a filling of Lotus Root in various pastries that I've had, mm-hmm. uh, like mooncakes and stuff, that is actually Lotus Seed. Um, but... Yeah, but I've definitely had like like slices fried and stuff before. It's I, it's it's I like a root. It's tasty. I also like a root. <laughs> it is tasty and it's cool looking, honestly. Oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> um yes. oh, I did a total side note. Like there was no way for me to work this into the actual outline, but um mm. but I found it so fascinating um that I decided to include this as a like cultural like us note. <laughs> I I found this whole paper about the um, uh, environmental sustainability of uh, of growing conditions of of lotus plants with different aquatic creatures like fish versus shrimp and like different stuff like that, and now I want to build an aquarium that incorporates lotus so much. I think you should. I don't know why you're acting like this is a a thing you shouldn't be doing. I I'm one hundred percent. The expense is the reason why I'm uh. acting like I shouldn't do it. Um, but uh, like I have That's a fair. number of things on the list ahead of second aquarium <laughs> that are a little bit more pressing. Um, but uh... well, <laughs> it's good to have goals. It is. Uh. You're right. <laughs> yes. I I'm gonna root for you for this lotus. Root for you. Um, Hey, that's cool. I I love when we find these very specific papers. It it just brings joy to my heart. So good, especially when they talk about shrimp. Yeah. Yes. Yes, always. Uh, You can see our Lunar New Year episode for more. Uh, We've also done a lot of foods related to Lunar New Year uh, as episodes, so. Yeah, um, and various other rhizome-related episodes. uh, (laughs) Ginger? is the one that I'm coming up with the, off the top of my head. Um, but And now yes. I'm like, did we do ginger? I think we did. We did. Oh, we great. Did. Good. Yes. <laughs> I mean, someone can correct me, but I'm pretty sure we did. Uh, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> yes. yes, yes, yes. Well, uh, I guess that brings us to our question. It does. Lotus root. What is it? Well, uh, lotus root is the edible bulb structure of the lotus plant. Uh, so, so botanically, um, it's a storage space for starches and other nutrients that the plant needs to uh, to grow and to flower. And that's why humans like eating it too. Um, it's relatively mild in flavor, but but the texture is sort of creamy and crunchy at the same time, like like crisp, but in a in a tender way. Um, it can be cooked up in any number of ways and used in savory or sweet dishes. Um, it's often used as like a tasty garnish, especially for special occasion dishes, uh, partially because it, in cross-section, it's got this really pretty, almost um, lacy sort of look because, because the root is shot through long ways with a series of holes. Yeah. Um, it's like a, it's like a more decorative jicama. Uh, or or like a like a potato that's that's standing up for itself a little bit more. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's um, it is, it's like proof that beauty isn't always skin deep. Like sometimes it's got roots that go all the way down. Again, so true, so beautifully put. <laughs> you never know what's going on with somebody. You, you know? know, 
You never know what's going on with your root. <laughs> Very true. Until you cut into it. <laughs> Until you cut it crosswise and see yeah. what kind of pretty pattern it has. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. right. Well, <laughs> now that, that metaphor has thoroughly escaped us. Um, mm-hmm. uh, all right. So, so yes. Yeah, so, um, edible lotus roots are not true roots. Um, they are the starchy rhizome of plants in the genus Nalumbo? Nalumbo? Sure, one of those. Uh, there are only two species in this genus, um, N. ludia, uh, or the American lotus, and N. nucifera, or the Indian lotus. Um, but there are a bunch of cultivars and hybrids. These are these are aquatic plants that grow in relatively still fresh water, uh, ponds, streams, uh, deltas, uh, stuff like that. They they grow their true roots and their rhizomes down into the soil of the pond bed and then sprout these long stems up to the surface of the water. Um, the leaves will grow at or above the surface and then they produce these really pretty flowers in shades of uh, white and pink and yellow that look a little bit like water lilies. Yeah. Um, the flowers have a have a, a broad, flat structure at their center that will develop into an an honestly nightmarish seed pod. Um, like like these seed pods are like one of the images that's used in demonstrating um, trypophobia. Is that the the fear the of fear, holes? fear of grouped holes? Yeah, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Like if like if you you think of what you think of when you think of that, you're probably thinking of a lotus seed head. Oh whoa. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. Um, yeah. yeah. I love how we went from like, it's this beautiful thing to terrifying holes you can fall into. No, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the roots of beauty can also be terrifying. Truth. Yeah. As we all learned from Gladriel? Um, sure. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, All the parts of the plant are edible um, and are used in various cuisines around the world. Uh, The seeds can be ground into a paste and used to make uh, beverages or or in pastries, like, again, uh, mooncakes or in other desserts. The stems are used as a vegetable, the leaves as wrappers for um, for steaming rice and other stuff. The the flowers are mostly ornamental but can be used to make tea. and different varietals are grown for different purposes. Uh, but those starchy rhizomes are arguably the uh, the meat of the plant. Uh, they're a fall to winter crop, and they grow in these in these clusters that look a little bit like um like fat links of sausage. Um, under their kind of tannish skin, they're they're creamy to crisp white in color and have, yeah, these sort of irregular rings of roundish holes shot through them lengthwise. They're prepared by uh, by peeling and then slicing crosswise to reveal that lacy pattern of the holes, and then a uh, uh, boiled or steamed or stir fried or deep fried or braised, pickled or preserved in syrup. Uh, you can often find lotus root sold um, already peeled and sliced, um, canned or frozen or fresh. Um, fr- by fresh, I mean it'll be like bagged in a solution of uh, salt water or maybe mild vinegar to preserve the color. And the flavor is is mild, a little bit uh, sweet, tangy, creamy. Yeah, uh, the slices are used as a as a crunchy tender vegetable in stir fries and soups. They can be deep fried to make a crunchy or crisp snack. Uh, in some preparation, the uh, the holes of the roots might be stuffed with other things like a like a mixture of horseradish and miso, um, or maybe with uh, with sweetened sticky rice. And then the slices might be like battered and fried, or uh, or, or cooked up in a syrup in terms of the sticky rice one. <sighs> 
I've never had that that way, and I want it right now, immediately. Uh, it can also be a, the, the root can also be processed into a powder and then used in like puddings or, or, or jellies or, or other dishes like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of uses. A lot of uses for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, what about the nutrition? Uh, by themselves, lotus roots are pretty good for you. Uh, low in sugar and fat, a little bit of protein and fiber, a good spread of micronutrients. They are a little bit on the starchy end, so they will help fill you up. But to keep you going, pair them with a protein and some fat. And, you know, all, all bets are off by the time you've uh, stuffed them with glutinous rice and drizzled them with a whole bunch of syrup. Like, that's a that's a different situation. <laughs> but a delicious situation. Yes. Yes. Uh, we do have some numbers for you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. So I couldn't find too much, but China Daily reported that 500,000 to 700,000 hectares uh, are growing lotus root across China, largely concentrated in Hubei province, specifically Wuhan, which is where I lived for a couple months. Oh, mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just for some context there, like a productive hectare of, of lotus farmland might produce some 25 metric tons of lotus root a year. So multiply that by 500 to 700,000, and that's that's like a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and that's just in China. Speaking of China, a research has found at least uh, 310 varietals of rhizome lotus alone being grown there. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And, um, all right, duck fact of the episode. Yes. Uh, there's almost $2.5 million worth of damage done to lotus crops by ducks every year in Japan. Um, wow. It is difficult to research and prevent because this 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 duck damage mostly occurs at night. Those ducks. I it it is look, it's a serious economic and agricultural problem. And yes, I mostly included this fact because I wanted to say the words duck damage. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah. Pretty fun. Hard to hard to not do that when you have the opportunity. <laughs> I understand. Um, I couldn't find any specific numbers, but I did see several sources reporting that the lotus market is growing. Um, huh. And some of the some of the numbers suggested quite rapidly, but a lot of that was behind paywalls and I couldn't. No, oh, sure. Yeah. Couldn't verify it for sure. But I, I would. That makes sense to me. <laughs> that sure. It's growing. Yeah. yeah. As as a more culinary cultural practices spread. Mm hmm. Uh, well. We do have some history for you. Oh, we do. And we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
all these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Um, And okay, so again, there are two species of lotus, one native to North and Central America and the other to Asia. Native Americans have also traditionally used the plant as a food source, but today we are mostly talking about the Asian native varieties. Yes. And also, once again, unfortunately, couldn't find two many resources that I like trusted um, hmm. about this mm-hmm. um, and I, always listeners count on you because you're all amazing and you answer our call if you have any um, but yeah just to just to throw that out there and then also there were a lot of side quests that happened and some of these were like oh okay <laughs> so this is a separate this is a whole separate thing and not really what yeah, today. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that there are going to need to be other episodes about other parts of the lotus and their yes. history and uses. Yes. Okay. But for today, what we have when it comes to the origins, um, some historians specifically cite India, um, Australia, New Guinea, and some of the Middle East is where it might have origi- the lotus root might have originated. Um, I couldn't quite nail down specifics on the date, but thousands and thousands of years seems to be the uh, consensus thousands and thousands of years ago. Um, Some numbers claimed it has been cultivated for at least 3,000 years in Asia, uh, specifically. For a long time, folks in Asia, and perhaps specifically China, have used it medicinally or even aesthetically. I saw a lot of things about Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, And it was viewed as a cooling food, something you might eat to cool you down. Yeah. Yes. And the lotus root has a long history of being prized in China. And for some, 
it or the lotus plant in general uh, symbolize purity, enlightenment, fertility, rebirth, and abundance. And a part of this is because how the flower would emerge from the swamp, like muddy swamp, I read in a lot of places, with yeah. these beautiful white petals. Yeah, yeah, that the flowers are really significant in um, artistic and religious symbolism. You've probably seen any number of examples of what's called a, a lotus throne in art, like a sort of pedestal upon which a, a, a revered figure stands. Yes, and it is a special symbol of Buddhism in China. Uh, the lotus itself is this beloved thing that is used to represent uh, the goddess of mercy, which a uh, different podcast, but has a many, many interpretations and personas. But in mm -hmm. Sanskrit, uh, their name translates to born of the lotus. Mm. Um, and so vendors often sell folded lotus buds outside of temples dedicated to the goddess of mercy for visitors to leave them as offerings. And in many depictions of her, she is standing or sitting on a lotus flower. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, one source reports that as far back as 600 to 900 CE, Buddhist monks of the Big Stone Temple of Baosha Mountain started cultivating lotus. Mm. Um, it's also important in Hinduism and was revered in ancient Egypt, too. But as always, we would love for listeners to write in and confirm, correct, or add anything into this. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, Yes. Mm -hmm. When we're talking about these cultural things, it's always kind of like we need your we need the personal experience or knowledge. Yes, uh, yes. Yes, yes. So no one is exactly sure how far back Lunar New Year goes, but most estimates put it around 3,500 years ago. And given that Lotus was available aroundish that time, uh, that it was prized, that the names... Uh, and symbolism had a lot going on when it came to what people wanted in the new year. We talked about that in our Lunar New Year episode as a lot of times there's kind of mm -hmm. a pun involved or something. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and on top of that, the leaves themselves of the lotus were so handy in wrapping other popular items. That was something I totally forgot about. It was so true, um, including sticky rice in a sort of opening of the treasure type dish. Yeah, it stands yeah. to reason that the Lotus has been involved almost since the beginning of Lunar New Year celebrations to me. Um, and I, I saw it a couple places, but I couldn't, I didn't get the like hard sources uh, oh, like hard sources like fact I normally that get. you wanted. Yeah. yeah, sure, sure. But it's, I mean, like the Venn diagram seems like it lines up. It does, it does. Um, jumping way ahead, <laughs> in 1832, poet Alfred Tennyson published a collection of poems that included one titled The Lotus Eaters. Um, and this was inspired by a Greek myth mentioned in the Odyssey. And in it, um, Odysseus came across this island where everyone eats lotus root. People who ate the root became blissfully ignorant or forgetful. Uh, they refused to leave and had to be dragged back to the boat, chained to the boat uh, to, to be convinced. Um... And this went on to inspire the R.E.M. song, Lotus, uh, was the name of a White Lotus episode, which includes a recitation of part of the poem. Hmm. And I'm a huge, I love talking about tropes. Laura knows a lot of times in our pre-episode <laughs> discussions, I'm like, I have this trope, we've got to unpack it. Yeah. Um, there's one called Lotus Eater Machine, which is a simply that trope of a villain convincing you of a a vision or dream or something is reality when it's not reality. 
Yeah, and uh, and, and the, uh, the the hero being stuck in this dream world and yes. uh, and not wanting or not being able to get out. Yes, and uh, there are a lot of theories breaking apart of this whole this whole ancient Greek myth that it probably wasn't Lotus Root that they were writing about. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Uh, in a 1968 book, American journalist Emily Hahn wrote that Lotus was more of a thing of poetry than a thing of taste in the East. However, historians argue that eating lotus root has less to do with poetry in China, but more out of a necessity and a desire to make use of everything possible. So basically this person was writing like, oh, it's just sort of a pretty thing uh, to it's eat. A, yeah, it's a symbol. But, right. But uh, that did not match with the reality of what was going on. Yeah. It can China. be both. Why not both? Mm-hmm. It can yeah. be both. Why not uh-huh. both? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, recently, because because they grow in the soil of waterways, there's been a bunch of research into uh, both uh, possible contamination of lotus roots with uh, with heavy metal pollution and into using lotus plants to help clear waterways of pollution like this. So really fascinating on both ends. That is fascinating. Yeah. Um, And then I just wanted to end here. There's an amazing, beautifully written piece on Oxford American written by Sini, and I hope I'm not butchering that, Sini Nina Chen about the lotus and her memories of the lotus. I highly recommend it. It's just really beautiful. Uh, Here's a sample. As a kid, my absolute favorite thing to do was to walk around Westlake in my rain boots during a summer storm, stepping into every puddle in my path. When I finally grew exhausted from all that splashing, I would stand still, holding my breath, to watch water roll off the lotus leaves. Rain would fall into the glossy leaves and form individual drops that were so round, so full, so perfect. They would then roll all around the leaf as if they were teasing the other droplets, getting bigger and rounder on their way, eventually falling to the leaf's center where all the droplets beaded together. When the bead got large and heavy enough, the wind would inevitably make the leaf tremble, catapulting it into the pond. It made the most wonderfully playful sound. I later learned that lotus leaves stay dry because of their super hydrophobic surfaces. The nanostructure of the leaf's surface is woven tightly together with micro bumps all along its edges. This means lotus leaves are not only water repellent, but they are also self-cleaning. As water droplets roll around the leaf, they attract small particles of dirt. Because lotus leaves clean themselves, they also make the perfect wrappers for our regional cuisine. Long, long before the invention of plastic wraps, many dim sum and dessert dishes were traditionally wrapped in dried lotus leaves. I love that. That is so lovely. Oh. Like the painting of the picture, the setting of the scene, and then like the sound. I can imagine and I can hear it. And then I love the kind of, that's totally our jam where it's like, oh, also, yeah, right. And then you just smack us with, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, so perfect. <laughs> yes. And used for all these dishes. And that's just another example of like, you know, how food can transport you and these celebrations can transport you. But also, I hadn't thought about that. I I, I wish I had the like the, the lotus leaves as a wrapping of yeah. these things. It's... Yeah. When we finally dive into our dim sum yes. uh, miniseries expedition, I... Yeah. Uh, uh, Fugue state, yeah. Um, it's it's going to be, we're, we're definitely going to have to talk more about all of that. Yes. 
Oh, I look forward to it, even though I'm already preemptively overwhelmed by it, but mm-hmm. look yep. forward to it. Yep, yep, yes. yep. <laughs> yes. Well, I think that's what we have to say about Lotus Root for now. It is. Uh, again, we would love to hear from y'all. And yes. uh, and we do have some listener mail prepared for you. Uh, and we will get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. Thank you, Spencer. Yes, thank you. And we're back with fireworks. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I was gonna do the like roots, but I feel like I've done a lot of the spiral motion lately okay. in the listener mail jingle. I put some thought into this. I promise. I <laughs> not a lot, but I do put some thought into it. <laughs> Uh, so we have one 
epically amazing listener mail for you today. It's kind of yes. long, so we're just doing one. Uh huh. Um, but it is so good. I'm so excited about it. Um, so if you'll remember, Megan, listener Megan, uh-huh. wrote in about being nerd sniped about this question <laughs> of whether or not marshmallows and their thermal qualities <laughs> make hot chocolate cool down faster or keep it warmer for longer um, right yeah warmer and, for longer and and had said that they were going to uh take this question to uh there were a holiday party yes and we begged uh shamelessly uh to please please follow up if you do it and Megan did. Megan did this. Yes. And has followed up with an amazing thing. Uh, Lauren and I are going to split this because yeah. it's amazing. Yes. But. Okay. Oof, yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Megan wrote, I have results. Since I'm geeking out about this anyway, here's a fake lab report <laughs> for you with my findings. Motivation. Determine how the addition of marshmallows affects the temperature of a cup of hot chocolate. The marshmallows on top of the liquid act as an insulator, preventing heat being transferred from the liquid to the air around it. But they also melt, which is a phase change that requires energy to be added to the marshmallow from the liquid, which would cool the liquid down. This experiment will determine which of these factors contribute most to the final temperature. Procedure. Heat water in a large urn and dispense into identical cups so all cups of hot chocolate will be made with the same temperature of water. Bonus. Party attendees also get a source of water for their own warm beverages. Follow instructions on the hot chocolate mix. Add recommended amount of mix. Two cups of hot water. Stir until fully dissolved. Add marshmallows to one cup. I use three large ones. Measure temperatures of both cups at regular-ish intervals without mixing or otherwise disturbing the liquids. I used my instant read thermometers from home, but a colleague of mine, shout out to Adam, pointed out that there are fancy thermal probes for the lab courses that would read the temps and make a plot automatically. So we set up another two cups of hot chocolate using that thermometer following steps one through three. Yay, multiple trials. (laughs) Okay. Results and discussion. Marshmallows keep hot chocolate warmer than no marshmallows. Both setups show the same behavior where both cups with and without marshmallows cool, but the cup with marshmallows is consistently 1 to 2 degrees Celsius or 2 to 3 degrees Fahrenheit warmer than the cup without marshmallows. See plots. Top is data taken with instant read thermometers. Bottom is data from the lab thermometer. Red equals marshmallow. Blue equals no marshmallows for both plots. Notice that the time scales are different with the top plot going for 90 minutes while the bottom only lasts 30 minutes. As I realized while discussing the experiment with the student, the energy needed to melt the marshmallows will be very small due to their very small mass. So it will not remove enough energy from the hot chocolate to counteract the heat retained by their insulating effect. (sighs) Okay. She continues, Um, there are a few caveats to this experiment. At first, I didn't weigh the amount of hot chocolate powder in each cup, so that might have made some cups more or less chocolatey, though I don't believe this would have a big effect on the outcome. Uh, A future, more precise trial could be done to eliminate this issue. Uh, Second, as you can see in the plots, uh, the cups didn't start at exactly the same temperature. 
though the difference is only about 0.5 degrees Celsius. I suspect this is because of the heat lost during the time between making the first and second cups of hot chocolate. This amount of time could be reduced by reversing the order of making the hot chocolate. Uh, put the powder in the cup first, and then add the hot water, and having multiple people stir the cups so it happens at the same time uh, rather than one after the other. Finally, as mentioned in the procedure section, um, the cups were not mixed after the initial preparation, which is not a good model of how people drink hot chocolate, and left the melted marshmallow foam sitting on top of the liquid, which may have insulated the hot chocolate longer than would be typical. Future work. The first step to expand on these results would be to actually weigh the hot chocolate mix in each cup to ensure each cup has the same amount, and to add the water after so that the hot chocolate is prepared in as close to the same amount of time as possible to reduce the difference in initial temperature. Next, the cups could be stirred or otherwise mixed after the initial preparation to simulate how a cup of liquid is mixed while someone is taking a sip of it. We could also remove a sip's worth of liquid each time this is done to make the experiment even more realistic. Third, I'm interested in how other types of marshmallows and toppings affect the temperature. I wanted to try whipped cream, mini marshmallows, and marshmallow fluff during this experiment, but I was limited by the number of instant read thermometers that I own. With the lab thermometers, more toppings could be included. Finally, the department also has thermal imaging cameras that can be plugged into a smartphone, so it would be interesting to see what the cups look like using those. Mostly, the thermal imaging camera lab is one of my favorites, so I want more reasons to use the cameras. And then, right, at attached, attached are our graph plots, uh, yes. uh, which are... Excellent and do show right. Like I mean, I I believe is a statistically significant uh, uh, gap in the temperature between right no marshmallow and marshmallow cups of hot chocolate um, in both experiments. Uh, she continues. As always, uh, thanks for the great podcast. This was a lot of fun for me to do, and the rest of the department was also entertained. So thank you for inspiring this experiment. Um, best, Megan. Uh, P.S. I wrote this email while listening to the Christmas ham episode and have a couple of comments. Uh, one, if you're looking for ham recipes to try, my favorite ham recipe comes from Julia Child. The ham braised in Madeira and a mushroom and cream sauce she recommends to go with it. It's not specifically a Christmas recipe, but it's so good. Um, two, I was delighted to hear you read my original message and am now even more excited to share my results. <laughs> oh, I mean, the, the pleasure and honor is ours. <laughs> it is. Oh, my heck. Is this, this the coolest? <laughs> is so good. This is there amazing. There are graphs, every, everyone. There are listeners. There are graphs involved. There's thermoimaging equipment mentioned. I... It was a holiday party experiment. People got involved. People got into it, right? Like yes. people, yeah, like they, they had like, they had like ideas and opinions and like, right? Yes. The future, like future work where the improvements could be made, which I hope you'll write in again oh about. Oh my goodness. I, I, all, I also deeply want to see these thermal images. Of yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. I love it. And I love how many people were like, you know, we need to take into account the sipping or like the <laughs> sitting of the marshmallow foam on top. Like really well thought out, amazing yeah. work. This is good science. This is the amazing, the, the best science. I, <laughs> I'm so happy. Uh, we kept like kind of breaking up during it because we're just thrilled and yeah. <laughs> pleased to have yeah. received if a message like this. <laughs> 
If there, if there's, I, I mean, I mean, pro, I mean, and super producer Andrew was an absolute professional. I'm sure that he mm-hmm. made us sound just fine. But like, but we had to stop and giggle in delight a number of times while reading yes. through this. So, yes, it's excellent. Um, <sighs> please, like, follow up. Thank you for taking the time to do this and write this. I love that we, in our own small podcasty way, could inspire an experiment <laughs> like this. Yes. 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 And just to reiterate, reiterate uh, once again, you listeners are the coolest. You um, are genuinely. Yes. Yes. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much <laughs> to Megan for sending this in. Uh, if you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SaverPod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.